nor did he destroy it, but he gave a means for you to have a relationship with him once more. Great song. Today, the, the thought is going to come from 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 5. Again, thank you for coming this morning. Thank you for the visitors that have come. Um, hopefully, we make you feel welcome. And again, please feel free to stay. We will have lunch every, every end, end, of, uh, at end of month. We eat together as a church. So please feel free to stay and have some fellowship with us after the service. 2 Kings chapter 5, and we'll begin reading in, in verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable, because by, the Lord, uh, by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. So this is 2 Kings chapter 5, in the end of, of verse 1. And he was a, also a mighty man in valor, but there was a, a problem, it says here, but he was a leper. But he was a leper. And today the sermon that the Lord's laid upon my heart to preach to you is a sermon entitled, When a Little Means a Lot. When a Little Means a Lot. Let's pray and ask God to bless this time. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to open up the Word of God. I thank you, Lord, that it's perfect. I thank you, Lord, that it's been infallible. And Father, you've preserved it throughout many years for us to be able to read it today on the 25th of February, and I pray that what we learned we all apply, and that you help us, Lord, to, to apply in our life so that it brings glory to you. I thank you for the opportunity to stand before this congregation, behind this pulpit. Thank you for the grace you bestow upon me. May your name be glorified and uplifted in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, church, I'd like to encourage you. I had a chat with Pastor Hernan um, just yesterday, and he was sharing to me the, the, some great things that are happening in the Philippines. And so, as, as many of you, are, are, I'm sure, are leaving tomorrow, um, headed over to the Philippines for the SLC conference, um, it, God's already been moving. Amen? And uh, we, I heard yesterday that about over, over 300 souls got saved. And praise the Lord for that. And the funny thing is, is that sometimes we, we assume that 300 souls are, all happened in one spot. No, no, it didn't. There was multiple... Um, I think multiple conferences happening at the one time. So there's like, I think there's over 12 conferences happening at the same time. And in those different churches, what happened was when someone said, I want to get saved, it wasn't just a raise of a hand. Amen. It was an opening up of the Bible. And that's what we like. We like to hear that someone got saved, not just because of over the voice, but actually shown through Scripture and what the Bible says that, hey, we are sinners and there's only one means to get to heaven. Amen. And that's through Jesus Christ. Because the shedding of blood, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And Jesus Christ didn't cover your sin. He washed it white as snow. Amen. And that's why when we, see, when we hear songs like, God loves you, the fact that His love has never tainted itself. His love is perfect. And every single time you fail as a Christian, as a believer, you do not lose your salvation. Amen. Because we're all failures today. We realize that every single day of our life, we, we make mistakes, but God's love towards you has not diminished in any part. Why? Because when He sees you, He sees the blood. He sees Jesus Christ and says, you know what? He was the perfect sacrifice. The thought is, a little means a lot today. 
you know, um, I, like, I like cooking, ah, as you can tell. Um, I like cooking, and, and basically we were, we were cooking some things, and, and this thing was osobuku soup. Do you, know, do you know what that is, osobuku? It's like a, it's a bone with a hole in the middle, and then if you cook it just right, what happens, it becomes like butter. It's amazing stuff. Um, and, and so my wife, my wife, I see some, some shaking events. People need to get saved today. Um, I just go, <laughs> um, what he's done, uh, what I was doing was um, you sort of leave it there for three hours or so, and then you sort of taste it, and it tastes nice. You add some things, right? And I remember this time when um, I got this little bag of, of paprika, spicy paprika. It's the best thing ever. And I got it, and, and I sort of just put a little bit, like a teaspoon inside. And I tasted the soup. And you know what? It didn't taste like anything. It felt like I didn't put anything in it. And so do you know what I started doing? Instead of little tablespoons, you get some, you, like little teaspoons, you use tablespoons, right? Because it's, because you can't really taste it. And so I just kept putting it in. And until I got, like, I still couldn't taste it. And then I, I accidentally, accidentally put the whole, whole packet <laughs> in the soup. And then you, you begin tasting it definitely. Now, sometimes at first, it seems like it's just a small bit, right? And, and because it's, it's such a small bit, it doesn't seem like it's having any effect. But what we need to understand this morning is that if we're not careful, we'll let some little things in our life that eventually start making a difference. And then the end product is not what you desired. It's something that was, that was just by little things added in. And the, one of these, uh, a wise man said this, the experience proves that most time is wasted, not in hours, but in minutes. A bucket with a small hole in the bottom gets just as empty as a bucket that is deliberately kicked over. It's an interesting thought. And today, we're just going to learn from this story, the story of Naaman, and some more characters that will be introduced about how we ought to continue to, to look at the small foxes, right? We, we know that in, in, in Song of Solomon. Small, the, small, the, the small foxes that take the vines, right? When a little means a lot. We're introduced in, in, in verse 2. Let's read there. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him of his leprosy. And first point this morning is that was a little maid. A little maid. She was a, she was a young lady that was taken not by will, but by force. Understand that at this time, Syria was actually taking people away. And they, they came in bands. It's an interesting study. If you haven't studied bands in the Bible, it's a really interesting story. It's not like a, like a band that we know today, but a group of people. Right? And here we have these little companies that brought away captive out of the land of where? Israel. You have to keep that in mind for this story, okay? We believe that every word of God is pure, and it's placed there for a reason, amen? So remember that bit. It's from Israel. They stole people from where? Israel. And here we have a little maid. She was taken away from her family. Obviously, if she was, she was, um, she was serving or she was taking care and waited on Naaman's wife, she wouldn't be having her, her father or her brother anywhere close to them. 
if you know, the, the thought is, is that when a lady is taken away, usually um, the males of the family are placed in a different area, different place. So do you think she was happy? If you were taken away, if your daughter was taken away somewhere, an enemy took her away, do you think she'd be having joy and ecstatic excitement? No. You'd be upset. Not only that, she was forced into serving. She, she was involved in a culture that wasn't hers. In actual fact, as she was a young, when she was but a young child, the parents would tell her, hey, be careful of these types of people. And they have the wrong gods and the wrong religion. And, and, and they do wrong things to people. You have to be careful, young lady. And as she grew up, she was already thinking about all the wrong things that would happen if she was taken captive. And so be it. As this story starts, we are introduced by a man named Naaman, the captain of the host. It says, but he was a leper. Right? Now you're introduced to this young lady, this, this little girl, this little woman that comes in, and, and now she's in a predicament. You have to understand that she wasn't happy in this time. But do you know what the difference was? She did not forget. She did not forget the man of God. And the thought is, is that sometimes we place ourselves in circumstances. And we're not taken there. Sometimes we place ourselves in circumstances where we're not, we're not in. It almost seems like we're captive. Some might say, today I feel like I'm captive in, in my studies. It seems like I can't do anything else but, but sit down and, and to study certain things because I need to get these assessments done and I need to get these done. And, and if I don't do what I'm supposed to do, it seems like I'm a failure. Others will say that same thing about their workplace. They say, you know what, my workplace is so difficult right now and, and it seems like I'm captive to it, that I can't but work. And it's draining me and it's taking away from my family and it seems like I'm captive to it. Others will say this. My perception of people has caused me to have this warped view. that No one wants to talk to me. That when I come to church, they just judge me. There's different levels right now as we face today where you might feel like you're captive. But just like this little lady, just like this little maid, she understood one thing, that the constant, and the, the constant never changed, and that was God. And she says something that completely changes the life of not only the captain of the hosts of Syria, but also his wife. Understand that this morning, if, if, if your husband was leprous and had, had disease, your wife would be very distant from you. Don't you agree? It'd be strange living in the same house as a leprous person. You won't have that intimacy as much, I don't think. But it seems as though that she cared so much for her, the one she was serving, that she spoke up. And this is what she said. Would God, my Lord, were, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. 
even though she was captive, even though she was away from her family, she was forced to serve. She was in a different culture to serve different types of gods. She did not forget the man of God, but she also desired good for her captors. And if he was there, I'm sure he would have been healed already. When a little means a lot. In verse 4, something happened and another person was listening. And do you know what he did? He, he gossiped to somebody. He says here in verse 4, And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that, um, that is of the land of Israel. And when I read this, I assumed that that person was actually talking to Naaman. But it's interesting, it says here, told his Lord. So Naaman's Lord. Who was the Lord of Naaman? The, the king. Why? Because the king actually responds, the next verse. And the king says this, And the king of Syria says, Go to, go, I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of of Raymond. Again, something to remember for, for time. So where did they take the people from? Israel. Okay, now this time here, remember this, just get this and put this in your mind somewhere. We'll go and refer back to it at the end of the sermon. He departed and he took with him how many? Ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. Just keep remembering that. Understand that God has a place for you here for a purpose. Understand that God has a place for you here for a purpose. You know, you know, God knew you, and I said this to the young adults this morning, God knew you before the world ever began. He understands and He knows your faults. He knows the things that will get you. He knows your failures. He knows your victories. And yet God gives you a purpose in your life. And just like the, he gives a purpose to the young adults, same way he gives everybody in this room a purpose for living. And God has that for you. It says this in James chapter 4, verse 14. We know this thought, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. When a little means a lot. And the thought today is simply this. Understand that God has placed you here for a purpose. And it might not be easy. And it might not be a, a, a prideful thing. Or it, it might not even be anything about yourself. It could be your family. And you're saying, the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing is for my family. And God has placed you there for a specific reason. Don't waste it. Because this young maid could have just turned around and said, you know what, I'm not going to tell them about the vaccine. I'm not going to tell them about a means to be healed. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut, and one day I'm going to escape this place, then I can be free again. But instead of doing that, this young maid turns around and she actually says something that, if you think about it, could have cost her her life. Do you understand that this morning? Do we understand that? Because if you say that he will be healed and he goes and he doesn't get healed, do you know what's going to happen? 
you make that decision. And the thought is, is that it, it, the statement it was a sure statement. That's what's so beautiful about it. The innocence, uh, the, how innocent a child can be. And she, they'll just say some things that, that, that have profound truth. If you just listen. First point. Understand that God has placed you here for a purpose. A little maid. Next in verse 6, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 6. Is everyone doing okay today? Cool. All right. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 6. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman, my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. Second point, a little letter. First point was a little maid. Second point is a little letter. This little letter showed to me that there was a desperation of the king of Syria. He saw the value of Naaman. He says he was an honorable man. He was a great man with his master. And, and because by him, the Lord actually gave victory to Syria. It was by him. Not only that, he was a mighty man in valor. And so the king found out a means for him to be able to get healed. And so what he does is he sends a letter off. And by sending that letter, basically says, I'm, I'm putting my trust in you, king of what? King of what? Where did they take the captains from? I'm entrusting with you one of my most honorable men, the captain of the hosts of Syria, I'm trusting with you, the people that I stole from, that you take, you take care of him. You get rid of his leprosy. You, you see that? That's what I saw. I saw a king that was desperate to help his, his, his people, his man. Did we get that this morning? And so not only that did it show me, it revealed the faithlessness of the king of Israel. It revealed the faithlessness of the king of Israel. Let's look at verse 7. It says, And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive, that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh, quarrel against me and and something that was supposed to be a help something that that's supposed to energize him and give him faith the fact that the king of syria was trusting in him the 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 captain of the host he took it and he took it with fear wouldn't you mate you you just been taken you don't think i noticed like half of the town's missing you don't think that I didn't see your bands come in and, and your, your companies and steal half of the children of my place? What, what, what are you trying to say? And now you want to send someone here so they can, they can be recovered of their leprosy? You've got to be joking me. But what it showed me, this little letter, it showed me a desperation of a, of a Assyrian king, but it showed me the faithlessness of a, of a king, Israel's king. Why? Because he knew as well, just like that little, that little maid, about someone, right? 
And who's that? Elisha. Church, this morning, we have an opportunity to respond in faith or fear. We had an opportunity to respond in faith or fear. And here we have a letter that was sent in good faith. That should have strengthened him. But the result of it was fear. He rent his clothes and he said, why does he want to seek a, a quarrel with me? And this is where I want to get up to. God needed another person to step into that. To help the leader to help the leader see where he went wrong. Verse 8. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now. Let's say these two words. To me. Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. And at this time, the king was, was so burdened by it, he rent his clothes. And it's interesting that Elisha didn't send the man because of the letter. He sent the man because of the, the, the king renting his clothes. A sign of distress, a sign of pity, of mourning. And Elisha sends this and he sends a response. And do you know what he responds? Why did you even rent your clothes? Send him to me. And church, I'm just going to be right honest with you. Sometimes there's going to be attacks on the pastor where he needs men to stand up and say, hey, no, no, send them to me. You're supposed to be honorable like that. See, the, the, not only did it reveal the, the, the desperation of the king of Syria or the faith, faithlessness of the king of Israel, it, de it depicted the devotion of the man of God. He's our leader. We need to protect him, take care of him. And I'm not saying that he's a god. No, no, no. Far from it. But where are the men today that will say, hey, bring him to me. I'll sort it out. He doesn't need to worry about this. And the truth is, the action, the, 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 the byproduct of that statement is in the next verse. And the next verse says this, So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of whose house? Elisha's house. Have you heard of... Um, Have that, that, that statement and you know, taking one for the team. Have you heard of that statement? And that, that basically means is it's like, well, instead of everyone suffering for it, you sort of sacrifice yourself. So you, you bear the brunt. You do that not because of duty, but you do that because you care about the team that you're playing for, right? But here we have Elisha that could have just stayed out of it and watched his king get demolished because that's what would have happened. If Elisha didn't step in, 
the king would have been a mess. There would have been a quarrel. But because of the man of God and his devotion to the king, send him to me. We need some people like that in the church. Amen? We need some people that will be able to stand up and say, no, no, he doesn't need to deal with this. Send him to me. And if you can't honestly say that, you, don't, you can't see how important a pastor is to our church. I have many places, uh, we have, there's many places that do not have a pastor, and you just watch how they run themselves. It's very difficult. And they say to me all the time, EJ, we just need one man of God that just stands up and just leads because we're, we're just like sheep just walking around. And if you don't appreciate your pastor today, let me tell you something. He prayed for you by name this week. By name. He cares about you. He's praying for the services now. He's supposed to be studying three, three because he's preaching three times today, but he's thinking about our church. Isn't that great? And what we're supposed to do is say, hey, if, if I can help in some way, why don't I help? And it, not, it doesn't just need to be a, a pastor. It could be a friend at church where you see them and, and sometimes they don't come to church anymore and, and, and it's your responsibility and it's our responsibility to help edify them and strengthen them and say, hey, I'm going to send a text message and just like a little letter, I'm going to show you I care about you. I care about what God's doing in your life. That's not just the pastor's responsibility. That's all of us. We're supposed to care for each other. And I, I believe we do. I really do. I, re- I, I believe that, that our church is a caring church. Sometimes we care, but we not speak about it. It's nice sometimes to get a text saying, I'm praying for you. Beautiful thing. I love it. That's far more better for me than money. Because God will supply my needs. But to know someone's behind me in prayer, it means a lot. Church, a little letter. A little mail, a little letter, says this. You know, we, in First, first Peter one twenty four. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of men is a flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. That little letter that you have on your lap right now. It endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Amen. We have an opportunity to respond in faith or in fear. A little letter. Not only that, let's continue reading in verse 10. 2 Kings chapter 5 verse 10. So now Naaman was there, and he's outside of the door of the house of Elisha. And it says in verse 10, Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Verse 11, But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought, I thought, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. 
Are not Abna and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. Third point is this is a little thought. A little thought. Just to think that Naaman was going to walk away from something so amazing that would change his life forever because he thought. Just to think that Naaman would have neglected what the Word of God and what the man of God was saying because he thought it was going to be this way instead of this way. And this little thought became a lot. Why? Because this little thought could have caused him to remain a leper for the rest of his life. And it was just a thought. You notice that there? And here we are, thousands of years later. And we're expecting God's going to come through that door. But he's knocking on another. And we think that God's going to be this way. When he's actually over here in a different way. And no, 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 no. He's going to come this way because this is what I thought. He's going he's to come out and he's going to stand in front of me. He's going to call on, upon his God and then he's going to strike the place. And it's going to be healed. That's what he was expecting. But is that what God gave him? Yes? Oh, no. No. Instead, Elisha doesn't even rock up. He talks to a servant to go outside his house and tell him what to do. Talk about destroying your plans, right? Have you ever, like, thought that you were going to talk to someone really special, but it never really happened? There was this time I was, uh, I was in Singapore, and um, there was this preacher. I won't name his name. And, uh, you know, I was, like, in, my, in the back of my mind, oh, if, if I get to talk to him, man, I'm going to ask him so many questions, you know. We're going to be buddy buddies, shake his hand, you know, probably hug him. He's going to be cool, you know. And we were in level, I think we were like level six or something, not, not upper or anything, but level six. And um, do, you know how, do you know how, obviously, everyone knows how elevators work? It starts from the top down. Anyways, he, <laughs> he was inside the elevator when I walked in. And do you know what? Do you know, do you know my reaction? What was this? And I stood there, didn't say nothing. I was so nervous. Like a star shock. Yeah, it was. Then he walked out, and I stayed in the elevator. Like, I just missed the opportunity. You say, big deal. It's true. It's just a man. God used that man, but that's what's cool about it. We don't raise men to be on pedestals, but we understand the value of a, a useful man, someone that's yielded to his, his spirit and his goal. Anyways, you said you get to ever talk to him? Yeah, I did, <laughs> eventually. Well, the thought is this. Don't expect it to go the way that you expect. Don't assume that God's going to work this way when he's actually working a different way in your life. And this is, the, this is what I explained this morning to the young adults, the same way we were going to explain today. God's working in your life is different to the way he worked in mine. No, salvation is the same. It's by faith through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, by the way. Not of yourselves. Amen? 
It's not what you've done or how many times. See, the, the, this is a tangent, and I'm just going to share it for what it is. It's a tangent, okay? Sometimes we make people jump hoops in order to get saved. And I'm going to be honest with you. Some people make people jump hoops in order for them to actually hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's a shame. That is wrong. So explain to me. You need to stop smoking before you can get saved. Show me that from the Bible. You, 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 need, to, you, you need to stop swearing before you can even hear the gospel. No, that's not true. How can the dead reject the dead? He can't. And so when you share the gospel, understand there's an opportunity that don't make him jump hoops. I've seen it many times. Because as we were discussing this morning with a good friend of mine, if you add just a little bit, it's no longer the gospel. If you add a little bit of works there, it's no longer the gospel. It's no longer just the blood of Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross for your sin. It's, it's that plus you. And that's not right, church. And I know we're, we're a Bible-believing church right now. And I, I'm, I'm firm with that. I know you believe it's by faith and faith alone. And I praise, praise the Lord for that. But don't, don't listen to someone that says, no, you need to get baptized first before you get to heaven. No, that's not true. Or if you need to speak in tongues. No, 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 that's not true. That's not Bible. Show me from the Bible. And you need to know where you stand on that because that's what everyone's going to target. No, 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 but you can walk out of the hand of God. I've heard people say that. No, you can't. Sorry, man. When he saved you, he saved you. You can't do nothing. It's not even yourself. <laughs> even you yourself can't pluck yourself out of the, man's, the, the master's hand. Am I right? Stand firm on that. Okay, back to where we are. A little letter. And a little thought. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's not like you, you put your toys away. No, no. The way you think changes. And before those things used to excite you, now it doesn't excite you. Why? Because, it, but because your thought has changed. Your processing has changed. Little thought. Learn to adapt to the will of God and not our own. Fourthly, fourthly is this. The little question. The little question. Chapter 5, verse 13. Chapter 5, verse 13. And his servants came. And so, again, the, the thought was is that, that um, Naaman was like, oh, you should have done it this way. Why, why not another river? Why not another place? And it's true what he said. The other rivers were way better than the ones that he was commanded to go in. But then this little question posed to him by his servants in verse 13. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My master, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he seeth uh, saith to thee, wash and be clean. And this little question posed by servants, again, understand that, caused this to happen in verse 14. 
Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. I love that bit. He was clean. The servants saw what Naaman could not. Fear did not stop them from giving reason to the captain of the guard. So the thought behind this point, the little question, is this. Use your influence to strengthen your brethren. Use your influence to strengthen your brethren. You know, um, in James chapter 3, we use it for, um, to show how damaging the tongue could be. We say, like, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little tongue, a little fire kindleth. Do you know you can start a fire, but a good one? And instead of using that tongue to destroy someone, or be malice towards someone, you can use that tongue to start a fire of good. And you can help someone, and you can influence someone, in, in Thailand, when I said, no, you can, you can gossip, they, they looked at me like, oh, what? No. You can't do that. Say, so you gossip the Bible. Gossip the gospel. Tell people, hey, I'm going to tell you something. You know what? Yeah, yeah, let's, tell me, tell me, tell me. Jesus Christ died for your sins. And instead of using your tongue for wrong, Use it for right every once in a while. And if it hurts, I'm sorry, but don't, just, don't aim at the messenger. I'm just saying what it says in the book. The book is simple. Maybe sometimes we need to apply it, and that's myself included. And the thought is, is that, that every single time a, a, a problem arises in, in your life, instead of running your mouth, maybe you can help someone out. Maybe you can speak up. Because... At this point in time, Naaman could not see it. He was very wroth. That's what it said. He was angry. And his emotions took over. And he could have walked away from this great thing that could have happened in his life. But it needed some cool, cool, calm and collected people to turn around and say, hey, don't do it. If, if he told you to go climb that mountain and get a horn of a unicorn, wouldn't have you have done it? Yeah. Unicorns are rhinoceros, by the way. Use your influence to strengthen your, bre- your brethren. And I thought about stopping the sermon there. But there's another little thing that did, that did a lot more damage than any good. And this thing, lastly, is a little greed. A little greed. Verse 15. And he returned to the man of God, and he and all his company came and stood before him. And he said, Behold now, I know that there is no God in all earth but in Israel. Amen. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. But he said, this is, Elisha, but he said, as the Lord liveth, before whom I stand, 
I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Skip a couple of verses. Verse 19 says this, And he said unto him, Go in peace. And he departed from him. What's that word? A little way. So now there's some distance between Elisha and his group of people and Naaman and his group of people. And here we have in verse 20, But Gehazi, the son of Elisha, uh, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master had spared Naaman, this Syrian, in not receiving his hands, at his hands, that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. So, in the next verses, you have Gehazi making a story up. He, he swindles Naaman to giving him some silver and some, some clothing. And then he lies later on to the prophet that just healed a man of his leprosy. So that's just an insight, I know, for the sake of time. And the thought is, in this, this, this point, a little greed, selfishness will always leave you worst off. Selfishness will always leave you worse off. And instead of celebrating with Elisha the victory that he had with how, how Naaman got healed from his leprosy, he thought about it himself. And maybe the thought wasn't all ultimately selfish in a sense. Maybe he thought, hey, let's spoil the Egyptians a little bit. Why don't we just take what was given? And why don't we just do that? But he did it all in the wrong way. Because Elisha already said no. But Gehazi turned around and said, no, no, I'm going to take what, what it should be ours. He said this. Let's notice the difference. And do you remember I, I told you to put that piece of information away? Like in the beginning of the the sermon, I need you to take it back out. Okay, now let's, let's understand this. In verse 22, and it said, all is well. This is this Gehazi talking to Naaman. My master had sent me saying, behold, even now there become up, uh, come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garments. And Naaman said, be content, take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags and two changes of garment and laid them upon two of his servants and they bare them before him. But in verse 5, like what I said, what did Naaman bring? Ten talents of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. And the thought is, is that every time that you get so greedy, you don't actually get everything you wanted. And you're worse off than when you started. Because the repercussion of him lying to Elisha and lying to Naaman, one, was that Elisha looks bad because he said no, and now he's saying, hey, no, give us some more. Two, he, he lied to the man of God. The one that he just observed, seeing that person get healed by their leprosy. Okay. Do you know what happened to him? Let's look at the end of the story, and we'll finish up there. 
Verse 27. The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee. He didn't stop there. It says this, and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence, a leper as white as snow. Wow. Now was that worth two shekels of silver and two, two pairs of clothes? But it was Louis Vuitton. Was Hugo Boss? No, no, it wasn't worth it at all. And even though it may have been valuable, and even though it may have meant something of status, that was all taken away, and he became a leper. And not just him, the judgment fell upon him, and also his family. And he says, and thy seed forever. And was that worth what he did? No, it wasn't. We can all say that. But we can always harbor this little bit of greed inside our heart. And I'm, I'm saying we because I include it. Because I'm human. And the thought is, is that these little things that we have in our life, they could use, be used for the, the benefit and the glory of God. Or they could use, be used for self. For our own earthly gain. But eventually, we'll be worse off. Does that make sense this morning? So watch the little things in our life. Okay? Watch the little things. The devil doesn't attack you with a big thing. Start small. Just one, just one step. Just one, one step in the wrong direction, yeah? Wrong, one wrong decision. And he builds on that. And it snowballs, right? You get the concept. Little things. That's why we need to be vigilant. Yeah? You just got to be vigilant. You got you to be aware all the time. Say, hey, if I get blindsided right now, how am I going to recover? When little things mean a lot. When little things mean a lot, you can create something that's beautiful and great. Or you mess a lot of things up. So just watch the little things, yeah? Amen. That's what the Lord spoke to my heart about. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again just for this time. And Lord, just, just for the clarity of Scripture. And I love the fact that throughout this whole story, your mercy was just evident. From the young maid to Lord to Naaman. Lord, what you changed in Naaman's life. And how he, he believed that there was only one God. And, and Father, I pray, Lord, as we apply this in our life, that you help us understand that the little decisions we make will eventually be bigger decisions in the future. And so let us make the right decisions now, Lord, with, with our Bible reading, with our prayer, with our decisions to, to, to come to church or to... Even give in the offering, Lord, these small things, it will mean a lot in the future and in the long run. So help us, Father God, please, to adhere to the scriptures and then apply it. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. As a piano plays, um, everyone standing to their feet, please.
if, um, if the Lord spoke to your heart about something this morning, don't wait. Just come and pray. Just come and pray. No one's watching you. It's okay. You know, if God spoke to your heart this morning, make a decision. Change. Why does it have to be a conference in order for you to make a decision in your life? It can happen every week. And so today, as the Lord leads, pray. Again, church, this is the little things, right? Commit to the little things and say, God, I commit to reading my Bible once more. I know I failed you this week. Let me get to know you a bit more. God, I failed in, in protecting my pastor. Help me to be more supportive in that. God, I failed in, in different areas, whether it's in friendships, with decisions. Help me resolve that. And then change. When a little means a lot.